Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's Word, fellowship, and prayer. Wow, it's an honor to be here, Brandon, and I can completely sense that, uh, just being a part of what you guys are doing and, and this building. And uh, the last time I believe I preached in Kaya, well, it had to have been the last time I preached in Kaya. Obviously, we were down at the other church, two blocks down the street. And uh, praise God that he moves in sometimes hard ways. And look at this place. This is incredible. Uh, and you guys are already out of seats almost uh, in the back. And so, uh, man, praise the Lord. Let me give you a, a quick update. If uh, you'll indulge me just for a moment um, about Boston. So about a year and a half ago, I'm going to enlarge the update from Friday for you folks here. Uh, Midtown and uh, Kaya by Midtown ended up sending my family and I out to Boston, Massachusetts to be church planters. And my wife is here in the second row if you give a big wave. That's Meredith. And uh, with our Boston contingent, I'll I'll talk about them in a second. But um, we went to Boston, Massachusetts. Boston, it's the largest city in New England. And it's a dense northeastern community, kind of stereotypical, like you might see on TV or if you visited there, places like Philadelphia, New York. It's it's similar to these. It's, It's people are very proud and rough and educated and obnoxious. They're very passionate about their preferences. They're very provincial in their opinion of themselves. Uh, so much so, they, you know, they believe that they are the patriots of the patriots, right? And, and in fact, west of the Massachusetts border, that line that's known as New York or something like that, um, you may as well be talking about the end of the world to most New Englanders. Uh, they just think that the six New England states, that's just everything, right? And especially if you go further into Maine, I mean, you may as well be from a foreign country, from anywhere else. They're, they're so eager to embrace their own self-righteousness. It's, it's on steroids and so eager in that to yell out and, and, and preach against all that they see as wrong. And this is my new home. And we've been there for about a year and a half, this Midwest boy who got transplanted and plucked up out of here after four decades in this one spot where God blessed and grew and, and groomed and cut and, and molded and sharpened and, and bruised for his glory, uh, we, we moved. And it's been amazing. Um, Boston is also regionally home to more than 55 colleges and universities. And so some of you may, may or may not know that. 250,000 plus college students live in the Boston area, a quarter of which are foreign born. So about 60 to 65,000 international students alone live in the Boston region. It's a tech center. Startup center. It's a financial hub for the insurance and investment markets. It's also one of the least 
churched and most de-churched cities in all of the country. It's incredible. You go out in Boston and, and people literally have been raised having never heard the name of Jesus Christ, having never heard the gospel. I'm not talking about those foreign born, which you might think is obvious. I'm talking about locals who've never heard even the word gospel. When we left in the spring of 2019, COVID was just beginning, and the world had literally shut down. And so most people would tell us it was the perfect time to start a church. (laughs) It was a time when we could not meet one-on-one with people. We would go out onto the streets, and people would be afraid to talk to us. They would go out of their way on busy streets to cross the road, to not not go in the same sidewalk as you, these wide-berthed sidewalks. We would be confronted. A team came out, I recall, when we were just there, actually moving out. And one of the guys that was helping us from Midtown had his mask below his nose. And we had a, a, a grandmother. That's all I can, how I can describe her. Run across the street to yell at us, our group, for not wearing our mask appropriately. And, and I don't say that against masks or anything. I say that just to convey that planning in a, in a pandemic was a little different. And uh, most people out there were, were eager to not talk to others. And because of the independent nature, because of the self-sufficiency a lot of folks just don't see the need, and, and it makes it in the flesh that much more of a challenge. Shortly after we landed, a team began to join around us, and they'd actually been forming before that. Are we good back there? Forming before that, and Kaya's own Brooke Sidebottom. So, Brooke, if you want to. Yeah, that'd be cool. So many of you probably know Brooke, and many of you probably don't, though. I was uh, very pleased. I was talking to Brandon in the back just about how many people I don't know in this room. That's pretty awesome, uh, like crazy awesome. Like I, It's unbelievable, but Brooke, if you don't know Brooke, she was for years in Kaya a discipler and a faithful woman of the Lord. She was a Bible study leader. Faithfully leading young ladies into the work of the Lord. And the Lord got a hold of her heart. Actually, it was, in a, it was in a session just like this, actually, but down the road. And God spoke to her about coming and joining and investing in these college students from all over the world. And, and so now she's in Boston. She obeyed the call of the Lord on her life. She trusted and in faith. She, she took a step to move forward and And so now what she does is disciple young ladies. And she invests in Bible study. She does the same thing that she was doing all those years. And if you talk to her also, she does a lot more than that as well. And uh, as church planning requires, everyone all the time wear a lot of hats. And Brooke's also part of our praise team. And uh, Brooke's part of our AV team. And Brooke does our evangelism, and Brooke works on the website. Brooke helps with social media. Brooke's help, Brooke helps go and, and get our invitations from the printer. 
Brooke works in Kidtown. Brooke does FOI. <clears throat> Everyone does everything. And, and what a testimony, this young lady. Amen. You know, frankly, I'll just be honest. That shouldn't work that way, right? And I don't mean, I just mean practically. That's not how you, you would run a church. That's not how you would run a business. It's just, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot, and everyone's going different ways, and it's so much at times, and I'll, I'll share about this with my heart. There are people that will come in to visit, and it feels like we're wearing so many hats that we don't have time to engage the people coming in, and it breaks our heart. And, but God honors his word. Man, thank God he honors his word. I mean, with our salvation unto our purpose, how incredible that is, that you and I have a calling that gives us eternal life and everlasting life and, and a quality of life that's unbeatable. And not because of some formula of obedience. It is God's gift that he blesses us even in that. But in God's might alone, all I can say is that the Lord has moved. He's moved since we've been called out there. And, and souls have been saved in the craziest ways. I mean, the absolute craziest. One medical student walked a mile to church in the cold, dark winter out in Boston about this time of year. It gets dark around 4.30. In the middle of winter, she walked a, a mile from her apartment and was struck by a car on the way walking to church. She was kneecapped, literally, in an intersection uh, because drivers are crazy in Boston. And um, literally kneecapped this young, petite medical student. She continued to the church and uh, shows up, and, and I meet her, and she just tells me, I just think I'm supposed to be here. This, this little girl gave me an invitation at a bus stop. And uh, it was my daughter. You know, I, I didn't know it, but she was out with the ladies and, and gave an invitation to this, this medical student. And she was from a Catholic background, and, and she confessed, I, I don't know what the gospel is. Is it Judaism? Is it, what is it? I, I really have no clue what it is. And we worked through it, and we talked, and she came, and weeks turned into a couple months, and she was going to a Bible study, and she confessed the Lord as her Savior. I mean, the craziest circumstances, a 70-year-old woman and her daughter went to coffee after meeting my wife after our very first evangelism outing on the street. And both of them bowed their head to the Lord, the 70-year-old having never even heard the gospel before in her life. Thousands of invitations have been passed out. Many, many have heard the gospel. Others have rededicated their lives to the Lord. Several have decided to follow the Lord in discipleship. And many, many people are in the orbit of our little church in Boston, regularly engaging with questions and interests to know what the Bible says. So praise God. That's all we can say. I mean, praise God. I, 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 it would be embarrassing to tell you the attempts that we have made that have been total swing and misses in our approach. And to where I just literally often will just show up stumbling into somebody that God has prepared, waiting. And so I'm always encouraged that, that he's faithful to his word, and his word says to go. 
I mean, that is, dare I say, 100% of the battle, that we don't have to be strategic. And I think all that's great, right? And, and we can plan, and, and we ought to be wise. But we ought to foremost be obedient. And so praise God, he's, he's been blessing the mission. I mean, is there anything more pressing to lay our lives down for? I think not. I know our team agrees, the team that joined with us and joined with us. And I know many of you in this room also agree with that. Many of you right now, I know, are working through that yourselves in some way. What it means to be following after the master hard, pursuing his mission. Man, like a a jolt from the sky Wednesday night, Pastor James, man, that shook me to the core. It is so easy to Martha to death a church plant. I'll just tell you. I confess that to my shame. Did anyone else hear from the Lord this week? Man, the mission is critical. But lest we forget, man, James, that first night, you know, the main focus of our mission is to know and to walk with the master. And if we're not careful, we can make the mission itself an idol, the object of our worship, and lose sight of how we are serving. Focusing on knowing and walking with Jesus means that you can rest assured, though, that you're on the right track. You're you're doing the right work. Night two, Jeff is talking to us and asking this question, is planting churches part of our mission at this late stage of the church age? And yes, thank God he said yes. <laughs> right. I don't know what I would do. I was like hanging on, like, please. <laughs> it has a lot to do with watering and weeding. Because God cares so much about his people and wants us to invest the word in others and be willing to trust the Lord to challenge each other to remove unfruitful elements of who we are. Night three, Pastor Joe talked about this idea that in order to follow hard after the master, we we have to be fit for the work, and specifically meaning that you and I, we can't be encumbered by the works of darkness in our life. We've got to cast those things off, those things that even can be blessings, those things that can be good, and, and that God has given us, like the nation of Israel, though, They can end up weighing us down to where we think that somehow we are the object of the blessing, of the the worship. We are encouraged to be bold, to to dare, to, to, to die to self. And Pastor Joe asked at the end, I remember something something to this effect, are are we ready? Are we ready now to go? Are we ready to engage this mission after hearing these three life-changing messages? And so I would like to pick up right there if I could and and just ask you, are you ready? Are you ready? And, And I know a conference like this is important, but I'm trusting that God's been working in your life leading up to this before that. And, and so I just want to ask, are you ready for the work of the Lord? And, and I just want to talk about five things to know. 
Five things to know in preparation of being ready. If you'll turn with me over to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Let's, let's read together. John chapter 4. Before we read it, this is that famous story of Jacob's well and Jesus meeting this outcast of a woman by herself at the well. And Jesus ends up telling her everything she ever did. This woman who is hopeless, who had, who had embraced a life of her own making because she frankly squandered her own credibility. She had burned bridges. And so she was just doing the best she could to make it and, and hardened to this life spit out by the world, and, and Jesus told her everything about her, and she ends up trusting Christ, as we see in this passage. It's an incredible story, and, and he reveals himself in verse 26 of John chapter 4, I that speak unto thee am he, speaking about the Messiah. And it was about this time, right? Verse 27, it says this, And upon this came his disciples. They had gone out to get some grub, and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of them that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal. That both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there two days, and many more believed because of his own word, and said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this indeed, this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, we, we just want your help tonight, or this morning, and I'm so used to freaking at night, God, but Lord, I, I beg you, Lord, for your help, that you would move in Kaya, Lord, that you would move in me, use my mouth Lord, I pray that just the exact words would come out of it this morning. That you would ordain, Lord, use my preparation, but Lord, would your spirit have its way. Would your word work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. So like I said, Jesus had just revealed himself to this woman that he was the Messiah. And the disciples had returned from McDonald's or wherever, and, and their first reaction when they see Jesus was simply to marvel, the scripture says, right? And they hold their tongue. 
So it marveled. This is the same word, incidentally. We're not going to go through a big survey of this. Used to describe the reaction that the disciples and the other religious leaders had. This marveling when in Matthew chapter 9, verse 8, Jesus healed the man sick of the palsy. It says that they marveled. I mean, that was amazing. Like this this emphatic miracle, this guy just like, just healed. And, they, and you can imagine like if somebody came in here today and did that, I would just be like, what just happened? Matthew chapter 9, 33, a few verses later, Jesus casts out a devil. Marveled. Yeah. Whoa. Are you kidding me? Like what just happened here? Matthew chapter 21, verse 20 Check this out. Jesus causes a fig tree to just shrivel up on command. Man, I've had, I've had some fruit trees. When I, when I used to live out this way, I had a, three fruit trees. It was like, that was my farm, right? <laughs> and, uh, man, fruit is, you know, it can be hardy. It can be, be fickle. But Jesus just walks up to this tree and shrivels it up with his word. And, and what happened? They marvel. They just like, what? What in the world? Who is this guy? So it's reasonable for us, I think, to conclude that these men were in awe of what was going down. The same word was used. They walk up, and here's Jesus by himself with this woman who perhaps they know her reputation, perhaps not. She's a Samaritan. They're kind of out of their element, and they just like, in the same way that they stopped with these other things, just like, whoa, what's going on here? But they hold their tongue, the Bible says. Ideally, in an ideal scenario, they would have been already partaking in the work of the Lord. Ideally, they come upon this scene, right? And, and like we were singing earlier, they're rejoicing. I mean, they're clapping and they're praising the Father. But where they found themselves mentally, experientially, They just didn't allow for that. They weren't ready for that. They weren't ready to engage the mission of the Father. But, hey, let's let's throw him a bone here, probably sensing a couple of things, right? Number one, that, well, Jesus was the master. I think they'd kind of gotten to that point at some level. And, And secondly, that, man, I'm not sure what's going on here. I think with those two things together, they just decided, like, ooh, I'm going to keep quiet. Let's just just table this for a minute. Let me just give you a freebie this morning. Some of us need to learn that, right? As we approach the Father's work, as we're working in our local church, some of us need to learn this principle. Rather than get involved in the wrong mission for our lives, or rather than speak out of turn, on things that we aren't sure of. Listen to what Solomon says in Proverbs 29, 11. A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. Perhaps they were reading that. Perhaps they were reading in Proverbs 17, verse 28, where it says, Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise, and he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. So maybe that's where they were at. You know, for you disciplers out there, man, be encouraged. Your disciple 
often doesn't know, right? And so they don't have to always be engaging you in just a constant chatterbox. Growth can take time. Sometimes letting your disciple just listen is sufficient. And for you disciples, which is all of us, I mean, we are all followers of the Lord. Man, we need to surrender our mouth to Jesus. And if you don't know what to say, I know this is kind of a, maybe a weak and, and ill-prepared moment for these guys, but man, surrender your mouth. How do we do that? Ephesians chapter 4, 29 through 31. Here's just an example. Here's direct instruction from the Apostle Paul. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. These guys couldn't say anything positive, so they just decided to zip it, right? That it may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Perhaps the disciples were remembering the words of John at the end of chapter 3 and rather than just blurt out their objections and their consternations about this Samaritan engagement, this woman, their bewilderment, maybe they were beginning to learn what it meant when Jesus said, he must increase, but I must decrease. Maybe they were getting it, I don't know. But in so doing, they kept their mouth shut. So the disciples, they weren't ready. They weren't ready to engage the mission with Jesus. But we want to be ready. So we read through in verses 28 through 42, I think, gives us some things to notice. You know, we just passed Christmas, and perhaps there aren't a lot of you in this, in this stage of life. And so uh, bear with me, because you'll be there soon enough, many of you. But you, you go through Christmas, and, and uh, some of you have kids, I know, and... <clears throat> And maybe it's not, maybe you buy a piece of furniture, one of these dressers from Ikea, or a, 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 a toy. That's what's on my mind right now for one of my kids. And, and you open it up, and if it's a complicated toy, it comes with these instructions. And, and the very first thing you always want to do is make sure you have your tools, right, and, and all the components. Like that very first page of the instruction manual always says, oh, here's the big Allen wrench. There should be one of these and 15 of these widgets and <clears throat> two of these little, what are, what are these called, and some, some this and that. And you can tell I'm pretty handy. But uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> but you go through this, right? I mean, they make it even like foolproof for me. And, but you go through, you want to take inventory. You want to ready yourself before you just start putting stuff together. Like I know people that do that and I've done that before and you get 80% through and it's like, oh man, this is, the, this is the dud. This is the one that missed that piece. And so I just want to go through some things this morning. You see, for the first time we see this woman take a step of faith. She goes. And to this point in her conversation with Jesus, if you look back at the story, all it was was distraction-laden question after distraction-laden question. Question after question. Well, that can't be right. What are you? Who are you? You must be a prophet. Objection and objection. In the end, though, she had to confront the problem of her own sin and recognize that Jesus was the only way to solve that total crisis. And when she did, 
She took action based upon what Jesus had said, and that is faith. And so the first thing I just want you to see, if you're considering being ready and preparing yourself to follow the Lord on whatever level that looks like, you've got to know, point number one is this, that faith in God is acting upon God's word in obedience. That's it. You want to have faith. You don't want to be trusting the Lord in your flesh to build whatever thing that God has you to build. You see, faith is more than just mental assent. If you look back in chapter 4, verse 25, look what she says. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he's come, he will tell us all things. You can see her like, you know, right? I know, I know. Look, faith is more than just mental assent. Faith actually leads you to acting in accordance to what we know. If you look back at the story, what, she had five husbands? Like, so what if you know? Have you ever been in that situation before? Maybe at your workplace or school? You know, you're, you're Christian Johnny. Like, sorry if there's a Johnny in here, but um, hey, Christian Mabel. There's probably no Mabels in here. Okay. You're Christian Mabel, and uh, everyone knows you're a Christian, but you act like satanic Mabel, you know? And, and so, like, no, nobody takes you seriously. There's no action in your life according to what you know in the Word of God. Faith leads to acting according to the Word of God in spite, in spite of your circumstances, by the way. That means even when your circumstances do not appear to allow you to obey God, you choose to obey God anyway. That is faith. If you look back at the story, she had some distractions that you and I have also begging against us. It was pulling against her heart, her mind. She had physical needs, truly, that had to be met. She had to eat. She had to drink. These were real needs that all of us also share. She had distress that you and I also share caused by sin. In particular, does this sound familiar? Pursuant to her race and gender. Wow, isn't that 2022? You see, we want to hold on to those things. As as much as our heart agonizes about the stresses of life, we love to cling to the stresses of life. We love our misery. Out of fear of change, perhaps it's fear of unknown, fear of surrendering control. But church, listen, you've got to get this. This is where the rubber meets the road. To be ready for the mission, to be prepared for God's work, means you have to walk with the Lord. You have to be walking with the Lord. This is not a point this morning, but you've got to get this down. To be prepared for the mission means you have to be walking with the Lord. So I'm just going to ask you, are you walking with the Lord? Or are you merely giving mental assent to his existence from afar. Like, yeah, that's the Lord, everybody, over there. Luke 16, 13 says this, that no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. James 1, 8, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Man, did you see what she did? Did you see what she did after after she came to the end of her excuses 
of the things that were distracting her, she left her water pot. The distracting thing could only be seen in her rear view mirror. Do you see that? It was none of this like, oh yeah, the Lord's over there. Let me just gather all my stuff. I'm going I'm to go where he's at. She left it. So here's the question. What distracting thing in your life keeps you from following after Christ? What thing do you need to leave behind? Man, this is a question that all believers must ask themselves. And if we're to be honest about following hard after the mission, it has to be answered with anything and everything. Whatever the Lord wants. I mean... Did she ever drink water again? Yes, she did. I I mean, the scripture doesn't say that, but I'm pretty sure we can assume she didn't leave her water pot behind and then just die of thirst in the next whatever seven days or whatever it is. Yes, but, but no longer would the need to do it at this noonday hour or 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 it would no longer take the preeminence in her heart. You see that? The need for water, the need to to project against Jesus, whoever you are, that was gone. The new central place in her heart of all things, her job, her education, her finances, her, her social status, that place was now reserved for Jesus. And the stressors of her life, the religion that she perhaps clung to, perhaps was just curious about, the traditions of men would not hold a candle to the man who told her everything she ever did. Here's point number two. If you want to be ready for the work, the second thing you need to know is this. that God wants to have a relationship with you. God wants to have a relationship with you. Perhaps that is a foreign idea to you. And and maybe you just haven't ever considered. Perhaps you've been raised in a religious system where God is this far-off entity that that you can just hope to imagine and hope that that guys standing behind pulpits and, and other situations or books and things, maybe you can get some semblance of what that means intellectually. But, but man, I, I need to tell you, God wants to have a relationship with you. Yes, God knew everything about her, but the beauty of this exchange was that he was inviting her into a relational dynamic. Do you see that? It kind of reminds me of that, that story way back in the garden. Remember what, remember what God said? Right? I'm going to paraphrase because I don't have this reference, but like, Adam, where are you? Like, like God's just playing dumb, like trying, trying to provoke Relationship, even though they like they blew it, he's reaching out. He's like, "Hey, let's hang out." God wants to relate with you. He said, "Was like could Jesus have just drink?" Yes, but he says, "Give me drink. Ask of me. Go tell others. Let me be part of your life." Is what he's saying. You see, this is what separates Jesus from every other God. He loves you, and he's seeking you out. He wants you to be part of his plan. And he has a good, good plan for you. Oh, what a plan. But believer, I've got a question for you. Have you allowed yourself to be distracted 
from the main objective of your life, which is to bring glory to the Father. Man, if that's you, praise God, because there's a path. There's a path of reconciliation. Look at what James chapter 4, verse 8 says. If you're double-minded, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Man, that's the path right there. If that's you and you've been carrying around weights that prevent you, if, if you didn't know that you could have a relationship with God, or maybe you're even a believer and you've not been walking with the Lord, you've not been relating to him in that dynamic, man, here's the way. Draw nigh to him. He wants to be close to you. Pick it up back in John chapter 4. Let's read verses 29 and 30 again. So she leaves her water pot, right? And, and verse 29 picks up and says, she goes into the city, and this is probably very humbling. Approaching all of her old detractors, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And they went out of the city and, and came unto him. Point number three is this. The, the third thing you need to know to be ready for the work is that a life challenged by Jesus cannot keep quiet about Jesus. Or change. I'm sorry. That's my own point up there. Just read the notes. There we go. That's right. Okay. A life changed by Jesus cannot keep quiet about Jesus. You see what happens? She goes and tells. These men come up. Verse 39, if you skip down to the end of our passage, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified. He told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. You see what's happening. Lives are being changed by Jesus. And what happens? They keep their mouth shut? Absolutely not. They can't keep quiet. So listen, as a believer, your words to others have eternal consequences. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30, listen to what Proverbs says there. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Man, are we walking with the Lord? Has Jesus Christ truly transformed us? Romans 10, 14. How then shall they call on him? In whom they have not believed. And how shall they believe in whom they have not whom of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? 1 Corinthians 9:16, Paul says, For necessity is laid upon me. He's so changed. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. He's got to do it. It compels him. So, so believer, will you be quiet? Will you be quiet? And if so, what does that say about you? And, now listen, I'm not trying to be manipulative. That, that could be a manipulative question. I understand that. But I'm not. I'm, I'm trying to lead you into a place of, of consideration here. Because the Bible speaks about that behavior. The Bible speaks exactly about the behavior that, that excuses our quietness. Starting with this guy right up here. So this is a genuine question and set of questions I want you to consider. Christ's words in Luke are, they are terrible as both an encouragement but also as a self-check. And, and so let me just ask you, do you really know Christ? And if so, if it's you and you've been quiet, have you let the light 
grow dim. Luke chapter 11, 33, no man, no man. Wow. When he hath a lighted, cand- lighted a candle, putteth it in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that they which come in may see the light. Church, we've got a role in the Great Commission. We have a role in the salvation of our fellow man. And, and men must know Jesus for themselves, lest we forget. They don't get it by osmosis. I used to work with a, a guy, and, and he was you know, trying to be funny and snarky, but he'd always say, you know, oh, man, when I get to St. Peter's Gates, I'll just tell him I knew you. I'm like, oh, come on. Come on, man. Like, at a certain age, right, we, we know this. If you've studied your Bible out, and if you don't, let me just tell you, kids must personally come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ themselves. So if you're born in a Christian home, not to be harsh, but you've got to have that decision yourself to follow the Lord. And if you haven't, those laurels are not to be rested on, my friend. That is not for you. Your friends, believer, they must make their own decision. Your family, your spouse, your siblings, your parents, they have to hear the good news. They must receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. As much as we may want to believe ourselves, all men must receive Jesus to be saved. It's got to be that work of God in their heart. So what can we do then? Maybe, maybe you've been sitting there and it's like, yeah, I've let my light dim. I'm ashamed of that. Well, praise God. Praise God that we suffer shame now to change, right? Unto transformation. What can we do? Well, let me just give you three little quick things. And these aren't in our passage, but real quick. Pray to the Father. Pray to the Father for hearts of your friends, your family. That gives you focus, Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Give the word witness to people. As blundered as you can. Well, not intentionally, but just do it is my point. Like, trip over yourself going to preach the gospel. Mess it up, but go and prove. Prove with your life that God is good. Have a testimony of honor. Down in, back in John chapter 4, verse 31 through 34, if we get back to the text, it says, In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. And so the fourth thing, that you need to know to be ready for the work is that God's work, God's work is the true and sustaining purpose of the believer. That's it. Not the American dream, not your pursuit of a spouse, not getting out of debt, not getting your education. Not getting fit. All these things are great, by the way. But none of those things must take the place of the true and sustaining purpose of a believer. And that's the Father's work. 
these poor disciples, you know, they were probably just trying to be helpful in their own way, right? I mean, the best way they knew how, like, oh, I mean, it's, man, the pastors last night, it was a real blessing. Like, we got to eat, and uh, many of you did, like, yeoman's work, the Lord's work, and and serving. It, it was incredible. And uh, I mean, it was it was just incredible. And I was so humbled by it. And uh, I I I gotta stop there. But um, man, so that, that's often like what we would think, right? We're gonna well, let's give give Jesus something to eat. I'll serve the Lord. I'll bring what I have to the table. I'm gonna bring my skills. I'm going to bring my understanding. I'm going to bring my gifts, my experiences. Listen, all that can be good. All of it can be good. Subject to God's ways. That, that's why Paul says that all that stuff is, is basically but dung. Right? When we bring things to the Lord, know that he doesn't need us. He wants us. Our works don't please him. His works in us please him. So, yeah, bring your A game. Don't, don't slough off. Don't. Don't be lazy about your approach to the Lord, but present it to the Lord in a way that says, God, however you can use this, it's yours. Or not, that's also yours. (laughs) God, have your way. You see, that's a lot different than the Genesis chapter 4 story. Genesis 4, 3, and in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and you know what happens, he kills his brother. His countenance fell, and the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, reading in between the lines there, like, like I told you to, Shalt thou not be accepted, and if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. Cain, you see, like the devil before him, Lucifer, wanted to serve God in his own way. Man, so, so servants of the Lord. Man, let's trust God in our local church, right, to be obedient, but, but to come to him with open hands and bowed head, like this is yours, whatever you want to do with it. Or not do with it. And by the way, anything else that you can think of to put in or take out of my hands, it's all about you. Back in John 4, the disciples, they were confounded by Jesus' lack of interest in food. They just couldn't get it. Verse 35 through 38 says this. Jesus is responding. He, he gives the hold, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and, not to, and, and to finish his work. Verse 34, he continues, say not ye. You know why he says it? Look at this. Say not ye, there are yet four months. Man, quit talking about McDonald's and whatever else is on your mind and all the things that are, that are legitimate. Food was legitimate. Amen? Like we're, I'm going to eat after this, right? <laughs> like nobody could stop me. Except the Lord, maybe, like the Lord. Um, I don't want to be too, too presumptive. <laughs> but say not ye there yet four months, and then come with harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they're white already to harvest. This legitimate concern, he just turns on its ear. 
your education, your job, your path, your vision for your life, your plan to have the 3.2 bedrooms and two baths and two and a half dogs and four kids and six figures or seven figures by the time you guys grow up probably. I mean, whatever inflation does. And, and he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And here is that saying true, one soweth another reapeth. I sent you to reap. I sent you to reap. Where were they at? They're out getting food. That whereon you bestowed no labor, other men labor, and you entered into their labors. He's like, I had it set up for you. I, it was prepared. You just had to be here. And you could have been part of all this. How's the cheeseburger? How's that degree? And I'm not saying don't get a degree like, and, and don't eat cheeseburgers. Like Maybe, maybe cheeseburgers. But. <clears throat> How are we pursuing these things with Christ at the center of them? If God's called you to make a ton of money, go make a ton of money unto the Lord. God's called you to be a pauper, be a pauper unto the Lord. Single, married, with children, without children. Educated, not educated, unto the Lord. That's our calling. You see, the fifth and final thing you need to know in our passage to be ready for the work is this. What Christ is saying is that there is nothing more urgent than to avail yourself to God's work. There's nothing more urgent. Nothing. You see, time is of the essence. We have one life. Matthew chapter 6 says this, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek, lost man, For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. My friends in Kaya, God has prepared a harvest for you. Souls in the field that need worked right now, not when you're done with other things. It is most pressing that we engage Now, as in today, James 4 says, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. What will we have to show for that? And we're just scratching the surface out in Boston. And I know Brandon would say the same thing about the ministry here in Kaya. As would Sam, as would Joe, as would Mark and Tampa and Dan and Lee Summit. Here's our dilemma. The disciples were not ready for the work. And it's possible that some of you have not readied yourself. But looking at the story, the solution here is for you to take up and be ready. So who will ready themselves? We need help in Boston. As Paul would say, send Artemis and Tychicus and Epaphroditus, these men who are fellow soldiers, laborers, brothers, companions. Send Timotheus, send Priscilla, send Aquila together, hopefully. Look, maybe you are ready. Perhaps perhaps you have readied yourself. And you need to respond in faith 
to say yes to God's call on your life. You see, the fields are white unto harvest. They're ready. Who will work them like Brooke did? Who will work them right here in Kansas City? Who will go to Tampa? Who will join us in Boston? Who will trust the Lord to prepare for Nairobi? For Dallas? For Toronto? For the uttermost? Who will say to the Lord, God, whatever, whenever, wherever, even if that is right where I'm at, I will go. Young men, young women, the harvest is white, but oh, how the laborers are few. How painful it is for me, I will be honest with you, to watch as the souls walk down the streets past us in Boston, as visitors will come into church, oftentimes in numbers for which we cannot contain them properly and cannot engage them and leave without ever hearing a one-on-one conversation of the gospel or an invitation to coffee. So will you consider the call? to obey God, to glorify him with your life? Will you ready yourself for his work? We hope that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in his word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.live.com.